Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing 8th of November 2021. Let's start with, we've seen the market hit all-time high on the wheat, which Ben and I discuss in a minute or two. It's come off a little bit from that top. Old crop feed wheat is very much in demand. This side of Christmas, it's hard to move because there's lots of contracts that are being moved and there's a haulage problem, as we've mentioned previously. I think if you can, sell your grain post-Christmas and you'll get a better price. If you really, really must move it before Christmas, it's going to be quite a significant discount relatively. I'm quite sure some of you are about to stick your head in the barn for the first time because one or two do kind of ignore that particular issue. And there may be a funny smell in there, so just have a proper look round. It's it's getting to that time of year where your warm grain and the three degrees outside creates sweating and you get issues with quality. So have a really good look, make sure everything's in the right place. It's still... A good time it shouldn't have gone off or done anything too bad yet although we have seen a couple of dodgy moments so feed wheat x farm pre-christmas i don't know 210 post-christmas we're talking about if you were selling me wheat for may at the moment i'd probably pay you 220 yeah 220 there you go 220 so there's a 10 pound carry between deck and may and if you work back from the May, probably a pound a month to April, a pound a month to March, and then a couple of quid February and a couple of quid Jan. So that would be 214x for Jan, something like that. Feed barley. When these boats have gone, I think the market might lose some of its life. But there are one or two guys who are a little bit, to say the least, short and paying up for barley. We've had one of our customers, we gave the blessing to sell it to someone else at £200 a tonne X farm for spot movement. I can't touch that and they need the barley desperately. I'm quite happy for that to happen if the lorry can manage it. So yeah, all is well on that. I think it's a fantastic price for feed barley. We've booked up some at 200x the store for later in the season as far as we're concerned. And it is a very healthy market on the back of a very strong feed wheat market. Milling wheat premiums, I think, are going to continue firm. At the moment, there's plenty of supply and the millers have got a certain amount of imported that's come in and they're reasonably comfortable. But we all know they've got some more to buy. We also know that some of the lesser grades, you know, your class twos with slightly low proteins, will suddenly become slightly more attractive as you go through the season and it becomes shorter in supply. So if you have got good storage, you have got a class two and the protein's kind of 12-ish or more, yeah, I'd just hold your breath on that one or fix the feed base if you don't want to miss out with a view to fixing a premium later i think we've got to try and maximize your income but do it to a place that's not going to be too fussy on intake malting barley still on fire we've still got molsters rejecting things that you take to another site and they tip it well it's going to become a very very tight market for one or two molsters you've got to bite the bullet the crop was not perfect and if you're trying to pretend to yourself that it was then i'm telling you now if there's any molsters listening to my podcast that uh, you know it's not a perfect year and you have to adapt to the season we sat down with a molster with one of our farmers whose barley was committed to the maltings 
It wasn't perfect, but he absolutely addressed the issue and he said, we're going to work with you on this and make it happen. That's the attitude. And I'm quite certain that particular Moss has got himself sorted out. And I think if one or two of the you know, slightly uh, less likely to get grubby and down and look at the sample types don't realise that quite quickly, it's going to be a bit of a bloodbath later in the year. And there's certain maltings we will definitely be avoiding, I think, if they continue with the attitude they've got. Which leads on to, finally, oilseed rape. 575 what do i need to say about that you know it's one of those things where everyone's going to wait for it to get to 600 whether it does or not i don't know but it's a game now isn't it everybody so yeah i think 575 plus bonuses wow but there's very little of it left to trade or what is left to trade is going to be in the hands of people who've got good storage contracts or good stores so it's going to remain and be happily a bullish market ongoing with that i think i'm done and the conversation this week is between ben and myself because ben hadn't been on for a while and one or two of the listeners are missing him greatly so with that have a great week and we'll catch you next week thank you for listening please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours are you an experienced bookkeeper looking for a new opportunity Drew and grain have a full-time position available at their head office in aylsham norfolk If you would like to be considered, send your CV to tessa at dewinggrain.co.uk. We look forward to hearing from you. If ever there was a time to own central grain store tonnage, it's now. Yeah Grain at Cantley takes the worries and stresses of grain drying and storage away. Members of the store can harvest without delay and can bring their produce in the day it comes off the combine, all with discounted drying and servicing charges. Call 01493 700 447 or 01263-731-550 for details. Yeah, Grain, providing the grain handling you need. If your farm is looking to diversify, the first step is having the right website and logo. We are East Coast Design Studio and we're experts at creating websites that don't just look good, but get great results. Don't send your money to London. We're from Norwich, so keep it local. Call 01603 728-978 or visit us online at www.eastcoastdesignstudio.co.uk This week, by popular request, we haven't had Ben on for ages, so we're going to have another in-house and we've got Ben. Hi, Ben. Hello. And we're going to whip through a few things this morning because we covered a fair bit of ground last week with Webby and Josh. Very intelligent conversation. Oh, yeah, no, I listened to it and uh, I thought it was very good. You didn't fall asleep then? No. We're going to start with an important point. I had one of the questions. You remember the Dear Keo or the Dear Duo thing that came yeah, up a few fair. weeks ago? Well, someone asked a question about the contract high. When was the contract high? So we are getting people asking us questions now, which makes life a bit easier. And the answer to the question, the all-time high was on the 29th of November 2012. And I said it was 227, which was the spot price for futures which I think was the January contract, because the November contract had finished. The actual high price of all time was a May contract that traded on that date, and it traded at £230 a tonne. Phenomenal. Yep. And this week, it was broken. We've broken the record for the highest price. So if any farmer or any young farmer that's just started trading managed to sell wheat, I think it was on Monday, at the equivalent of 231 on the May futures for this coming year, then nobody in the history of their farm <laughs> has ever sold wheat at as much money as that before. So they need to phone up grandfather and father and tell them yep. they're better. That is uh, back of the net. Well, it's a moment to be recognised, and it's hit that price, and it's bounced down five or six quid. It's taken a proper breather now. Mm. But is it all over? 
And as our friend Munter used to say, contract highs are for buying. Why was the market at the contract high? Because of all the reasons we know. Is it all over? And if I have to say, in the next three or four days, up to the USDA, probably no, it's going to go down and take a breather. But take a longer term view, old crop week. Well, we're still early in the season, aren't we? We're November. Yeah, I think it's tighter than we first thought. I'm beginning to concede that perhaps my yield expectations for this year are a bit overstated. And therefore, I'm beginning to get a bit sneakily that it could go higher. How about that? Anyway. Right. So that's the starting place. That's the first answer to a question. The second thing is, you know, topics of the week. So the first one I would like to get your opinion on, Ben, is the Climate Change Conference. Right? Yeah. You know, what do you think the net result of all of that hot air is? More hot air and less things happening. I think it was a bit of a disaster, really, the Climate Change Conference. As we know, China and Russia and India have all committed to burn more coal Mm -hmm. this year than any other year because they want to get their economies back on track. And the Polish coal power station is going to keep going until 2060? Yep. So, there you go. Um, I mean, we've got to be careful we get too depressed. I mean, yeah, there were some great announcements about how there's going to be some kind of green fund set up by Andrew Carney, the ex-head of the Bank of England. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I don't think this climate change conference has provided any real direction. You've got to say, you've got to love Greta Thunberg. I know everybody thinks she's irritating and and all the rest of it, but she's absolutely spot on. Yeah. I've mentioned it before. I mean, yeah, yeah, I sit and drive my crazy petrol car. She's right. I know she's right. It just doesn't work with economics and human nature, does it? No. Yeah, we're a free market, capitalist, we're human, global economy. We're humans and we're therefore selfish is more the point, I yeah, think. Okay. And Boris, he flew home, didn't he? Flew home for a dinner in London with the editor of The Telegraph. One of his Eurosceptic mates. So <laughs> that really was one of those moments. Did he do that just to wind people up, do you think? Do you think he actually... He's made a fabulous speech and then... He's got on a private jet and flown to... Oh. Dinner. I know. I know, you just wonder who's advising him. But anyway... Do you think he'd listen? No. Apparently Keir Starmer was on his way up there and he was going by bike, but he got a puncture in Hull. <laughs> so he and got then his bike yet. got nicked <laughs> in Hull. I only mention that because I, somebody made a mention of us being Boris bashing all the time, but there are occasional spectacularly dim moments... There's actions and words, you know, a man of words and not of deeds is like a garden full of weeds. And flying home just to have dinner with his mate, yeah, he had to go home anyway, I get that, but yeah. it's just big statement at the wrong moment. It's just yeah. glaring. The eyes howler, of the world howler. you. Yeah, well done. You've made a good uh, joke of the conference. Oh. So climate change, yeah, as predicted, I'm afraid we need more catastrophe. We've just seen a map. You know my map. We've mentioned 150 times before that I mentioned about where you live. The map of Norfolk <laughs> and how I live in a ginormous yeah. floodplain. Now you'll be a seaside resort, which is great. You'll be able to sell plastic buckets made from recycled plastic to people coming to the beach. And Hempstead and Lessing will be an island. But, yeah, no, there's a map that Josh showed us that uh, in 2050, if the likely places that will flood... And there are several little parts of our county that are islands. And um, that's that for the Fens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid. Anyway, it's only 20 years away. Crikey, yeah. Or so. Anyway, so moving on from a... a Still, uh, if you've got webbed feet, they'll be able to swim faster. <laughs> right. Well, high six. Anyway, 
Interest rates. Let's have a little chat about them. They were supposed to go up this week. Here's a classic. So, Carney, the ex-head of the Bank of England, was described as an unreliable boyfriend because when he was the head of the Bank of England, he kept saying, oh, you know, I think interest rates are going to go up. And immediately the foreign exchange traders went, right, buy sterling, buy sterling. And then, of course, they didn't. Right, sell sterling, sell sterling. And now the new guy, is it not a sentence? I can't remember his name. Anyway, yeah, he's been described as an unreliable boyfriend because he gave all these indications interest rates were going up. The foreign exchange boys bought into it, and then this week we've seen Sterling get smashed. Perhaps the foreign exchange boys could change jobs and become lorry drivers. <laughs> and so they're just making loads of money out of speculation. What do you think about that one? Huh? Well, if Carney's unreliable on his predictions on interest rates, is his green fund also unreliable then? In fact, he's going to buy Shell shares. <laughs> Oh dear. But let's be honest, you know, there were some pretty major economists last week saying if the Bank of England put interest rates up, they're idiots because this isn't a booming economy. This is an economy recovering from a dismal performance. We were discussing things with the builders that we had the building project with yesterday and bricklayers can earn £350 a day, just like that. Wow. And they work three days a week, bricklayers because they like to go to the pub the other two, or they finish at two in the afternoon and go to the pub anyway. But basically, they are on that much money. So if you've got someone going to college for two years, tell them to forget that. Just go and learn how to be a bricklayer, be an apprentice, and you'll be on serious money in a very short space of time. So the point is, there is a boom in house prices, which is not a boom in reality, is it? No. And in the end, there is a need for interest rates to go up. Yes, but it's not now. No, it never will be the right time. There is a point at which the population or the modern world has to recognise that buying a Breitling watch on credit so you look really flashy in the pub, unlike my sellotaped-up Fitbit watch the strap's broken on, it has to be, if you put everything on tick, in the end it's not real, is it? And if the interest rates go up, it starts, oh, that cost me more money, how dare they? The reality of prudence and, you know, this really sound like an old age pensioner now, but there is no room for that thought. And 1% interest rate would allegedly put a whole bucket load of families into a massive debt situation. It's going to happen. The interest rates will go up. It's got to happen. Yeah. But how do you get that message to people? I mean, the fact the bank chairman said, right, we won't do it this month, gives them a month's notice to try and sort their book out in a month. But the reality is... It's coming, and it will, in the end, have an impact on house prices. It will, in the end, have an impact on the bubble and all of these crazy credit things. There is going to be a moment, I think, of ugliness that's got to occur. Yeah, we've got to get through this period of ugliness where everyone's just been told that there's going to be a two-year squeeze on household incomes because of energy prices and everything else. So the UK economy is not in great shape, in my opinion. Do you think everyone will have to drop their Sky subscriptions? I mean, these are all, you know, just watch BBC One like me, or ITV, or, you know, the point... Or Or listen to Radio 4 like me. (laughs) Yeah, very grown up. Radio Norfolk, Canary Call, that's a good one. (laughs) Depressed Norwich fans, all enjoy that. He's got to go! Yeah, the last time they called for the manager of Norwich's football club to get the sack, they got promoted that season, so that (laughs) might be a good sign. No, anyway, back to where we were. The luxuries in life are Sky TV. Is that a luxury or is that a normal expectation? I haven't got it. No, I don't have it. Right. How many satellite dishes are there? Oh, it's all cable now, Your is it? brand new car. We can't get a brand new car anymore. No. Unless you wait a year and a half. I think many of you will recognise out there, 
you all secretly know this is going to happen. I'm sure within the agricultural community there's a greater prudence anyway, but it's a, as much a generational thing. In Some people have been adults for, you know, 10 years and they haven't had a high interest rate in that period. Mm. And they haven't seen inflation like this. No, yeah. you know, so what do we buy to take advantage of it? You know, unlike the currency fund boys who keep getting it wrong, do we just buy wheat, new contract high? Bitcoin? No. <laughs> you know, what is the answer to the question? Everybody's looking for it. There is going to be a safe haven somewhere. You know, we've had the chat in the office, haven't we? The immense rally in gas and oil has led funds to look at agricultural commodities because the bullish news, the fundamental bullish news, actually hasn't been there, but all other prices have gone up, so everyone's gone, well, hang on a minute, agricultural commodities better go up. Well, this leads nicely on to the, you know, the actual the debate about cost of production, doesn't it? Yes. Now, I listened to the Farmers Weekly podcast when they invited me on when we did our 100th episode of this podcast. I thought, oh, I didn't realise there was another podcast out there. Good Lord. So I've listened to it pretty well every week ever since. They had a debate about the cost of fertiliser, the Mm. cost of fuel, you know, what is going to be the cost of the ag chems that go on to product. And there was a great deal of focus on, oh, you know, where's it all going to end? This is back to my point about it's a technical argument, but it sounds like oh, woe is me, the price is terrible, it's gone up, it's gone up, etc., etc. And within the same programme, there was the price of cereals mentioned. Cereals have gone up a bit to 190. But if you take a comparison of a year ago, grain prices have gone up £40 a tonne. Yeah. And fertiliser prices, the cheapest you could have bought last year was 200 odd, maybe 250, something in that region. And the peak of the market this year is something in the region of 690. It's come off from that a bit, I understand. But if you do the maths on that, you only use optimum wheat nitrogen usage is something like 0.7 of a tonne per hectare. So the actual increase in cost, if you took the cost to have gone up by £490 a tonne, which is extreme for nitrogen, extreme, the cost is something like £325 a hectare increase. But the increase in price on a three and a half tonne, which is the sort of yield you'd expect to put that sort of nitrogen level on, is 350. So there's no one going, well, actually, you know, we've been compensated for this. This isn't too bad. I'm not going to cut my fertiliser. But one of the examples of the Farmers Weekly lady gave as an example, this guy said he's going to cut his nitrogen input by 25% and he's going to budget on one tonne a hectare less or something. Right. It's stupid maths. Yeah. Wheat is nearly £200 a tonne. You know, so, Even so, at nitrogen at these levels, you're getting a return. Yeah, and my point is that the farmer always falls into this trap of arguing a case sounding, oh, woe is me. Of course, it's a worry. Is the fee wheat price going to drop is a worry. But that's the point, isn't it? If it's gone up and it's covered the cost of the extra you've had to pay, surely you sell. Yes. You don't not sell because you have covered the thing that's worrying you. No need to worry. It's gone up 325 cost. It's gone up £40 a tonne, equals 350 It's gone up more. Right? That might not cover the cost of the extra fuel or the wages you've now got to pay or the ag chems. It might take it to marginally out of sync. But, but without doubt, you will be doing something profitably for next season. And it's that message. Jeremy Clarkson's message is much more simple when he puts his point. That's why he's getting these awards and people are thinking it's a great thing for agriculture. We're all pleased with him in the sense that he's getting a message across. He said... There's something wrong when I can't produce meat on a farm that has to travel seven miles to an abattoir to go back to the butchers in my village and produce it for less money than it comes from New, New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah, He said, there's something wrong there. That's all you have to say. You don't have to go into costs and, oh, where was me? Oh, this is terrible, and all the red tape, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> You'd simply have to say, you know, here it is, general public. Mm. There's something wrong there. What the government are doing 
is allowing cheaper product to come in, people who don't have to produce to our spec. Yep. Surely that in itself is the argument somewhere they then search out as to why that should be. Why is poor Jeremy missing out? Well, yeah, and it comes back to this trying to keep cost of living low for the general public. Do you know what? Talking of that, Jeremy Clarkson's bee juice. My daughter bought a jar of bee juice from Jeremy Clarkson's farm. £11.50. Oh, my God. Yeah. And she's going to give it to this Louis, who was our half a student this year, it's her cousin. She's going to give it to him as a Christmas present. Now, the irony of honey being £11.50 for a jar, you can buy it for a quid up the road, <laughs> is just really funny. But there's good marketing there. Well done, Jeremy. But I'm sure you know, whoever made that profit. But, yeah, bee juice. There you go. But yes, no, you're right. New crop wheat prices are high and we all accept that fertiliser prices have gone up, but there just seems to be a margin there. Yeah, which, I mean, it's very encouraging for us. And in this, I think last week, talking to Webby and Josh, we were talking about the size of the crop. We've had one of the major companies quoting us, ADM, whoever writes the report for them. I can't remember what his name is. Are you talking about this quote about Alan Partridge country? Yeah, Alan Partridge country. Someone said that wasn't us. Oh, right. Well, to quote that it was a 16.5 million ton. I said 16.5, and they they said said 16.5 to 17. No, it was definitely aimed at us. Because I saw that, Andrew, and I immediately texted Webby and said, what on earth have you been saying? (laughs) And then Ian messaged back going, well, it wasn't me, and it was you. Yeah, Webby was in the room. (laughs) Um, Well, the good news is, ADM, youngsters that greet people with yo, yo to ADM. Yeah, thanks for listening. I appreciate the fact that we lead you. It's good. It's very nice of you to admit it. And what's your crop size for next year? Are you going to wait until a lot later date to be grown up about it? In reality, yeah, I'm reacting to what I've seen. Yeah, the conditions, The conditions of the ground and the area of countryside that we've covered is only where you went up into, you know, South Yorkshire and where I went down into London. So the bit in between, I'm assuming a whole load of other things in other parts of the country and I could be wrong, but we are a pretty hefty producer of cereals in that area and our mates around you know north hearts and harlow and people Mm. are telling us it's been a great autumn you have to take that information and say yeah yeah it's going to be a much bigger crop and half the battle is the drilling and the drilling's gone well yeah very well so it's always good to be listened to so right the next thing i want to mention is we have had one of our friends from up north who listens to our podcast doesn't trade with us but they love our podcast and they appreciate what we did last time we gave them lots of shout outs so jonathan hodgson and his brother who are at the great newsome brewery and their little strap line a true yorkshire gem do you know what he sent us a whole 24 days worth of beer for the christmas period legend Oh, well, we'll see what's in there. But if it's that beer, last time we really enjoyed it. We did enjoy it, And we really do appreciate you sending us the beer. I mean, so we will give you a shout-out every time we drink it. Whether we do a kind of the equivalent of a beer fest like we did with Keo the other week when I drank the Oktoberfest stuff, I'll have to get the boys in to have a couple each, and we'll have one of those sessions which several listeners have also written in. I mean, some people were not overwhelmingly pleased with it, but mostly the response has been people laughing a great deal at two old boys drinking. Drinking and... Talking. (laughs) Talking a load of rubbish and moisture and things like that. So anyway, Jonathan, that is really kind of you, and we will make... uh, In fact, I'll quote you. My brother Matthew and I enjoy your podcast every Monday, so we thought we'd send you an advent calendar, seeing as you were kind of just last time we started our beers. We hope you enjoy them, and if you ever head this far north, you are more than welcome to pop in and see how our beers are made. Thank you for the podcast and the rants, I guess you mean there, as opposed to bants or pants. Anyway, thank, and, the, and the rants. And the barley that they produce their beer from is Laureate, which we're heavily involved with. So Happy days. No, yep. thank you for that, Jonathan. We'll definitely crack on. Which just leaves 
the... Well, we've had another letter, haven't we? Yeah, we have. That's exactly what's going to go. Our final letter. Here we are. On the basis of people asking questions that they want an answer to, I've got one here. Dear Duo, that's me, why is it that you manage to deliver all your grain against your fixings and the big boys can't? Signed, A Consumer. Oh. (laughs) That's nice. I always think of how magnanimous you are, Andrew. (laughs) Does that look like my writing? (laughs) No, it was typed. Anyway, with that, enjoy the next week. It's going to be an unsettled, cold and wet, miserable week. So, uh, you know, the podcast is the only thing to warm you up. So thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released. And follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.